Hi everyone, this is Janice, your neighborhood nutritionist. I've spent the last couple of years helping busy office professionals upgrade their health through upgrading their nutrition. And one thing was very obvious. Nobody's got time to read up on all the scientific stuff to know fact from fiction. So each week, I will talk to you about a different topic or concept in nutrition in simple, everyday terms, so you are empowered to make the best nutritional decisions. Get ready to learn about some new stuff, gain new insights into old concepts, and super boost your health. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Neighborhood Nutritionist. Now, one of the first things we all learn about when it comes to nutrition is calories. But what does the word actually mean to people? I asked a few people to find out. I do I do try to look out for when I try to cook at home, but the challenge that I find with calories always is when looking at it in workouts. Um, and trying to figure out how much calories a workout burns. Um, because that's the, that's the disconnect that I find um, all the time. So calories don't really mean much to me, except that when I finish a workout, I look at the numbers, which is the calories that I burned, and then I eat just as much afterwards. So, yeah, it's just really number matching to me. So I, I never really look at the numbers of calories. The, the only numbers I look at on food are to see that I get as many grams of protein as I do of fat. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't really care about calories on their own. Calories to me mean a number that is attributed to food that gives some sort of nutritional count or energy value. When I think about calories, I think about fat, food that makes me fat. So when I when I look up a food item, I hold a food item in the store and I look at the back and I see um, the calorie content, I'm just thinking, oh no, this is bad. So the, the you get the calories, the higher the calories, the the more tendency I have to drop them really fast. Because uh, I just think about the fact that you're yeah, consuming this goes into my belly, goes into my stomach and just makes me really fat. I would say calories are a value that denotes how much energy is released when a substance is burned. Calories to me mean energy. Calories to my family are the enemy. I genuinely don't know when a calorie is good or bad, but I do know that like you should look out for carbs or sugary foods. So that's really interesting, right? Seems like quite a few people actually didn't care about calories at all. And some even mentioned paying more attention to other macronutrients. Then why would so many weight loss programs around the world, including the UK government's latest obesity strategy, place so much attention on calories? And does it work? 
Let's first look at how the word came into our everyday language. Now, calories were first used to measure the efficiency of steam engines. One calorie is equivalent to the energy required to heat one kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. The word actually comes from the Latin word calor, meaning heat. In the 18th century, calories were first used to describe the energy that fuels the body in the same way that wood fuels a fire. But it wasn't until the 1860s that calories were used to measure the energy in food and the energy expended by the body. And then in the 1890s, it was established that a gram of carbohydrate or protein provided four calories of energy, while a gram of fat provided nine calories. These have actually remained the standard for measuring the calories in foods. Now, just for those who are interested, as a comparison, alcohol provides you seven calories of energy per gram. In the 1860s, the term entered the English language coming over from French physics text. And in the following 20, 30 years, it was introduced to the American public. The key driving force behind the calories popularity is actually this other guy called Professor Wilbur Atwater. Now, remember we were saying that in the 1890s, it was established that, you know, a gram of carbohydrate or protein gave you four calories of energy and so on. Around the same time, Atwater and his team started looking into the caloric content of over 500 foods in order to figure out a scientific and healthy way of maintaining weight. By the early 1900s, he's actually become one of the leading authorities on dietary intake. And he had a very simple principle, cut out excess and ensure a balance between foods, which is pretty much what we go with now, right? However, it actually took some time before the idea of calorie counting really became popular. Now, another key person in this journey is a lady called Lulu Hunt Peters. In 1918, Lulu started working on a diet book targeted towards American women with a concept that calorie counting was an effective way of losing weight. For years, Lulu had written a number of newspaper columns for the Central Press Association called Diet and Health, which was gaining a lot of popularity with middle-aged American women. So she started putting all her writings into one neat volume. This became her first and only book on calorie counting called Diet and Health with Key to the Calories. This is also one of the first modern day dieting bestsellers. By the 1930s, calories had become fundamental to the way people and governments thought about food. For example, after First World War, the US Food Administration actually encouraged Americans to ration foods shipped off to allied countries, reassuring them that they could ration food and still have enough calories every day. To consume more calories than recommended, would actually mean undermining the war effort and physiological efficiency. And in New York City, they went one step further. Restaurants who were eager to show off their patriotism even started showing calorie counts on their menus. Up until the beginning of the 20th century, being plump was great. It was beautiful, it symbolized wealth. On the contrary, thinness was associated with illness or poverty. Now, during the Victorian era, People really sought after this hourglass figure with a cinched waist, full bust and wide hips, which I guess might be coming back into fashion now. But by the 1920s, the flapper era meant people really preferred to be flat chested, narrow hipped and long legged, 
whereas any kind of bulk in size tended to remind people of attributes like dominance, aggression, you know, a mix of masculinity, but at the same time, a kind of matronliness, if that's a word. Now, recently in the UK, the government has been raising awareness of health issues related to obesity. And for those who haven't read it or don't know about it, here are a few points on their website about what they're planning to do. First, they're going to ban uh, TV and online adverts for food high in fat, sugar and salt before 9pm. So this is really to target um, children who might be more susceptible to these adverts and be more attracted to eating these foods. They're also planning to end deals like buy one, get one free on unhealthy foods that are high in salt, sugar and fat. Now, they're also talking about displaying calories on menus to help people make healthier choices when eating out. While alcoholic drinks could soon have to list hidden liquid calories as well. Remember, early on, I told you that alcohol gave you seven calories per gram. Lastly, they're also going to launch a new campaign to help people lose weight, get active and eat better after the COVID-19 wake-up call. So how does calorie counting actually work? Now, it should be a relatively straightforward way of managing your diet and your weight. Because technically speaking, if you're eating less than what you're expending, you should be losing weight. If we just look at calorie counting as a weight loss method, you can first find out how many calories your body needs while at rest. So this is what your body burns even when you're sleeping. And we call this the basal metabolic rate. Sometimes you might see it uh, shortened as BMR on something. Now, remember, this is completely different to BMI, which is the body mass index, which is essentially a ratio between your height and your weight. And that's a completely different thing. So this is the basal metabolic rate. Now. You then look at your physical activity level, which means, you know, do you exercise a lot? Do you walk a lot every day? And you can easily Google a formula to figure this out, right? And once you find out how many calories your body needs in total, a lot of um, diets would recommend going in a deficit of about 500 calories, which means eating 500 calories less than what you would normally need. And normally losing about half a kilo per week is considered a healthy rate. Just a reminder as well, the calories we refer to when talking about food is actually calorie with a capital C, or sometimes you would see it as kcal, kilocalorie, which is actually a thousand calories. So back to calorie counting, what does a hundred calories look like? I found um, a list of quite useful comparisons on the British Heart Foundation website. So 100 calories look like just a little over a tablespoon of olive oil, a level tablespoon of mayonnaise, a thick spread of butter on your bread, which is just under a tablespoon, um, just under a 30 gram matchbox sized piece of cheddar, four heaped teaspoons of sugar, two ginger nut biscuits, and and about 10% of a tube of crisps. Now, some of these I found quite interesting uh, because you would think that olive oil is healthy compared to something like mayonnaise, for example, or the four spoons of sugar. 
So you can see why calorie counting may not actually be that comprehensive when it when we're looking at eating healthily. One thing to really pay attention to is that calorie counting does not look into the quality of the calories. As I was mentioning, the comparison between olive oil and something like mayonnaise, I want you to imagine having 2,000 calories worth of ice cream versus 2,000 calories worth of a balanced meal with some chicken, fish, or any protein of your choice, vegetables, and some slow-burning carbs. It's pretty easy to see that the nutrients you would get from the latter would be much preferred over eating 2,000 calories of ice cream. There's also a few interesting points for you to think about. So just a few years ago, for example, in an article on the Spectator Life publication, people were still talking about how we're actually consuming fewer calories than before. As a reference point, wartime rationing in the UK was providing adults around 3,000 calories per day. I do know many people who hit that number daily, but these are generally pretty active men. Of course, these kinds of data does get affected by underreporting, but what I would like everyone to think about is how much less we're moving now compared to 20, 30 years ago. Yes, working out is super popular now, but not everybody works out, and people didn't used to have as many lifts and escalators, shopping if food delivered to your door. So I can imagine that the average person was probably more active back then. Now, if you go and Google UK calorie intake, you'll find loads of results pointing out that the reason for this seemingly conflicting information is actually because we're underestimating our calorie intake, and the food industry has a responsibility as well. Portion sizes have increased over the years. Some examples I read include individual chicken pies, which are now 40% larger than in 1993, and individual chicken curry meals that are 54% larger. Now, for listeners who were eating such items back then, I would love to hear from you if you agree that portion sizes have increased over time. Also, some of these recommended serving sizes are pretty unrealistic. For example, a pizza may have over a thousand calories, but the recommended serving size would be a quarter of it, which makes the calorie count much more reasonable. But who eats a quarter of a pizza? If you go to any pizza joint, you would expect to order a pizza each and maybe get some sides. We can have a whole other episode on what part the food industry is playing on our health. But for now, I'd like to end this with a few key takeaways from this episode. First, calorie doesn't take into account quality. Second, calorie counting is not the only way to lose weight effectively. And lastly, calorie requirements can be very different between people. So don't blindly follow calorie deficit diets without research and consulting a professional. Given that the term calorie originated from a pretty mechanical context, I think we should be very mindful that this is just one way of measuring food. And if we want to look at our health in a more holistic and sustainable way, we should also be looking into how active we are and the quality of the food that we're eating. And that's it for this episode of Neighborhood Nutritionist. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and I hope you've really enjoyed it and learned something you can take away with you today. 
If you could take a second to share this episode with one person you think will love it, that would be absolutely amazing. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. See you soon. Bye.